Hello, everyone. You're listening to Elisa Unfiltered Living Life Out Loud, the podcast. My name is Elisa curry and I am here today speaking from the heart to inspire and motivate you to be your best self. There is so much more to life than the nine to five daily grind, and I want to share all of my secrets with you. So let's get started. Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 146 of the Elisa Unfiltered podcast. My name is Elisa, and today it is Wednesday, December 7th, 2022. Today, I want to talk about a lot of things. (laughs) And truthfully, I've been kind of brainstorming doing a podcast like this for a few months. And since we're almost at the end of the year, and on a personal note, I feel really grounded and really present and confident. It, It just, it seems fitting. So today I want to share with you 10 things I have learned in 2022 that have changed the way that I see the world for the better in my, from my point of view, from my lens. These 10 things are, they're mostly psychological, philosophical things, but you know how when you go through something really hard, people often say, there's a lesson in this, or what, look for the lesson. One day you'll learn the lesson, things like that. You know, when people say that, well, I want to share those lessons that I have learned. I've really been processing a lot of stuff and I want to share how I'm personally interpreting the growth and expansion that I am experiencing right now. Maybe you can even call it the rebirth Whatever you want to call it from the last two years. Well, it's actually been like three years, right? Like it's it's been three years almost, just a couple months shy from the first lockdown in Canada. Like what the hell? Holy shit. So my intention for this episode is to provoke thought, perhaps a perspective shift or two, and to think critically to listen and think critically about things, to encourage healthy discourse and hold space for life lessons that may not be in alignment with the things that maybe you have been learning. And I think many of you are going to find a lot of these really interesting. (laughs) And I know for many, you will relate and have a similar thought flow as we go through these, but you haven't found the right words to describe or explain how you feel. I personally love when someone shares their thoughts and it's like exactly describes me and it's like, oh, I just feel so seen. My goal, my message, my overarching lesson, this isn't part of the, the 10, is to really focus on seeing, on seeing myself on seeing other people, on seeing the world, on seeing nature, on seeing different perspectives, as opposed to the unseeing and the ways in which we've been conditioned to unsee people, to dehumanize them, to make them less than so that we are superior. Anytime that we feel the need to lower someone in our minds, we are not seeing them for who they are. And this is a learned skill that we have put into place to make ourselves feel superior. So the overarching of all 10 of these are to see, I see you, okay? Which I think in itself is just 
absolutely so powerful, isn't it? Especially, there are a lot of really profound people who are saying some really interesting things are going against the grain and they don't have a lot of people who see them, who understand them right now. But I think that collectively that's shifting. We are starting to wake up more as a society. At least that's my hope. One of my subtle observations is that more and more people are having harder conversations. I also think that these lessons that I'm going to share with you are making me personally more compassionate and adventurous. Isn't that, oh, adventure is like looming. Oh, adventurous and loving and and a deeper, more self-aware person. These things, these realizations are strengthening my self-awareness, my sense of self, and it's beautiful. Obviously, intuitive awareness will play a big role in this episode. So if you're curious, and that's like, this is the practice um, of observing the non-judgment of non-judgmentally observing the mind. So if you're curious about whether you are in that practice or not, this episode might be fun. It might be interesting to observe what comes up for you and how you relate or don't relate to some of the things. Okay. So let's get into it, shall we? I am excited. And of course I need to start big (laughs) with number one, number one, the first lesson that I've learned in 2022 is what is truth? Truth is so fucked up. (laughs) Our ideas of what is true and what is not true, how we relate to truth as humans right now is like fucked. And excuse my French here, for many of us, truth or the idea of truth is the North Star. It's It leads us, it guides us, it makes us feel safe. People want to seek the truth. They're truth seekers. When something doesn't make sense, they're like, that can't be true. I need to go over here. And I love this. Truth is important. Feeling truth, feeling like you are being true is important. It helps people feel safe and trust and belong. That's the biggest one. Like, right now for me is like the belonging. So if you believe what I believe, if we have the same truth or this collective truth, we belong to one another. We are not outcasts. So before I go into this lesson, I want to start with a little story, okay? If a hundred people went to see a movie in the theater, when the movie ended, there would be 100 different opinions of that movie. Some might be similar. But every single person who watched the movie would be observing it from the lens or you could say the bias or the belief system or the filter from which they see the world. Everyone sees the same movie. There will be a hundred people with a hundred different opinions or views of that movie. So what happens when they leave the theater? All right. Humans start talking, sharing, comparing. It's in our nature to do this. And sooner rather than later, these little like mobs of people will form. Okay. Okay. Well, maybe it's not mobs, but like groups. (laughs) We aren't gangsters out here. Okay. But maybe we are. I don't know. Anyways, let's just say that you loved the movie. It was so good so powerful. You felt like a deeper meaning. You felt connected. You felt seen. And when you come out, your husband or your wife or partner, or maybe it's like your best friend or a family member, someone who's close to you, the person you went to see the movie with, thought that it was stupid. 
that the movie was stupid. In fact, they said it was probably the worst movie that they have ever seen. Now, most people will take a loved one's opinion personally, and this might look a little bit like deflation, like that feeling. You might feel like, oh my God, I can't believe you didn't like it. And it can be really confusing. How on earth did you not get the magic of that movie? So if you thought the movie was a 10 out of 10, but your partner thought it was a five or a four, what's true? It's the same movie, two different ratings, two different ideas of whether it was good or not good. Who's true? Who's right? Okay. And what happens if everyone in your whole entire group, let's just say you went with like five or six people. Okay. What if they all thought it was a four or five and you were the only one that loved it? How do you feel about sharing your thoughts? If you walk out and everyone starts talking about how shitty that movie was, but deep down you're like, oh my God, I loved it. How do they make you feel about sharing your thoughts? How safe do you feel about actually expressing your version of the truth? How do you think that they will punish you for not liking it in the same way? Will they make fun of you? Will they call you weird? Will they just like outcast you somehow in a minor way, but you know, they'll make you feel stupid for liking it. Isn't that interesting? What if 99 out of the 100 people who watched that movie thought it sucked and you were the only one out of the whole theater that loved it, that gave it a 10 out of 10 ranking? Then what? Then what? What would you do if like later, let's just say next week, a week passes, okay, and someone asks you, oh, I heard you went to that movie. How was it? What are you going to tell them? Would you say that it sucked? Would you change the way you feel because everyone else hated it? Would you question yourself? Would you doubt yourself? Or would you stand in your truth? Would you say, I loved it? Would you tell them you had a profound experience? It's really interesting because you just had, you did have a profound experience in there only to learn that A, you were the only one and B, expressing how you feel is making you an outcast or a standalone, (laughs) right? And when time passes and you're talking to someone else who mentions that they love the movie and oh my God, yes, you are my people. You found someone else who loved it. What happens to you then? That, then you finally feel seen and safe and that you can truly express your thoughts uncensored. It feels good to talk about it finally because you've been holding in your opinion because no one else thinks like you. You've been self-censoring. You've been suppressing. You lied or created some version of the truth that might be accepted by outside people to protect yourself. All right? Now, I hope by now everyone listening has kind of figured out that this story is a metaphor for life and that our personal and for all of our personal experiences in life. And the truth, true, the truth lesson, quote unquote, that I've learned in 2022, and maybe, you know, this did start before 2022, but it's been become really clear to me now is that two things can be true at the same time. Two, 
sometimes 10 things. An infinite amount of things can be true. Truth, truth is the perspective from which we see our reality. From how we are experiencing reality in the now, truth is not fact. Truth is not fact. Truth is a belief of how we view reality right now. And in 2022, I have heard so many people say things like, this is my truth. <laughs> I mean, I say it too. Don't, I'm kind of making fun of it, but like, this is my truth. And like, I roll my eyes at that because it's just another way for people to posture and position themselves and find the people that think that that particular way of doing things or seeing things or speaking is true for them too. And like, there's so many controversial things happening in the world and all these little mobs are being formed all over the place. And truth is moo right now. Like there are so many things that can be true, yet we are so convinced that the way that we see the world and the way we thought the movie was and the way we think is the only truth. And in 2022, I am speaking from my own perspective that says that is all fucking bullshit. All right. I, I catch myself posturing. Don't get me wrong. I am not above this phenomena of the ego trying to get people on my side so that I feel safer and understood. I, that does happen to me. I just want to make that really <laughs> crystal clear. So let's let's briefly talk about science here for a second because and just for a millisecond, if any if you have any self-awareness at all, you will see that science is bought and paid for in 2022. So for every scientist that says red meat will cause heart disease, there is another scientist saying that it won't. For every scientist saying that they're, that that anxious people need benzos, there is another one that says benzos are addictive and cause long-term damage to the brain. Okay? That, like science... If you are someone who has traditionally believed in science, science is layered, it's complex, it is biased in many cases, it is bought and paid for by big corporations and companies who are seeking a specific truth. For example, a lot of experiments are just canceled, they're hidden, results are hidden, they're skewed. It's crazy out there. Science is not this evolutionary thing that we are building upon. It is now sort of dictating the way that people think and believe and act and like never before. Science has never had the power over a person as it does now, as we are attaching so much truth and meaning to certain things to posture ourselves and feel safe in our minds. Okay, my point is that truth in 2022 is in many ways in the eye of the beholder. If something resonates and makes sense to you based on the lens from which you see the world and you choose to believe in that specific truth, that's great. Do it. And because more than one thing can be true at the same time, holding space for someone else to think and believe and structure their lives around different truths does not make them bad or your enemy, and you don't need to cancel them, all right? This is making me a more loving and compassionate person 
to realize that the way I think and what I believe to be true does not make me superior or inferior to anyone else. All right, this is a huge lesson that's being sort of expanded in these really profound ways as time goes on. And to be aware of this and hold space and listen and discuss and be curious and ask questions and don't take other people's opinions and beliefs personally and make their truth a personal attack on you is incredibly liberating. That is freedom to me to detach from someone else's opinion and just hold space for them to express who they are. This is what makes us so unique in the world because we are all different. We do see things differently. We've all had different experiences in our lives that have painted these pictures in our minds and we've attached meaning to it. Isn't that a beautiful thing to be able to hold space for someone to tell you who they are and what they think without feeling attacked while keeping your personal integrity and your safety and your sense of self intact. Oh, and that just that I started with the truth thing because truth is so complicated and complex. And, and I think that's all I want to say about truth right now. That was a little longer than I thought. I'm going to have to pick it up here. or else we're going to be here all day. Okay. Lesson two. Oh my gosh. Attachment. Oh yeah. So attachment is definitely like leads in with the truth. Like how this goes hand in hand with truth and seeking our own personal truth because humans have a very unique and special way of attaching meaning to everything, 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 everything. We're obsessed with it. An experience can't just be an experience. It needs to have some It has to be awesome or shitty or important or life-changing, like some adjective and the story we tell about it, who we are, like who the story has become more important than the experience and the meaning that we've attached to the story is defining who we are. So if we see something and we attach a negative meaning to it, then that's the story that we will repeat over and over in our minds. The way we attach meaning to people and places and things and smells and energy and nature, it defines us. It controls our decisions. It it subconsciously is the driver of our decisions. And attachments, sorry to say this, is a learned behavior. In other words, you have learned to attach meaning to everything in your life from the teacher's in your life. You didn't just decide that, you know, you love trees. Somewhere along the way, someone told you to love trees and you agreed to it. Attachments and agreements. All right. I'm going to give an example and I want to start sort of like in shallow waters here. Okay. If your mom and your mom's mom and your mom's mom's mom (laughs) had this tradition of baking your family, like, I don't know, some sort of famous apple cinnamon pie at Christmas, You, as a daughter, might feel obligated to learn that recipe and continue that tradition. You would most likely naturally gravitate towards watching your mom bake it, participate it in some way. You might feel proud to have participated in some way, to have joined in the tradition. It makes you feel seen and heard and welcomed into the tradition. It feels good. The smell of a pie baking would remind you of Christmas and family times and great times and whatever that might look like, right? Now, 
I want to emphasize that there's nothing wrong with this at all. I just, I'm using it as an example to, of how we learn to attach meaning. So let's just say one Christmas, mom gets sick, doesn't make the pie. It would be devastating for some on higher levels than others. Some just might feel a little bit let down for others. Christmas might be destroyed, (laughs) right? It wouldn't be the same. It would be the worst because that is something that is so important to them. They've attached so much meaning. They've attached their identity to it. This is the only way I enjoy Christmas that if it doesn't happen, it's like devastating. All right. So over, over COVID, and during the 2021 lockdowns in Canada, I felt this. This this happened to me. And for the first time in history, we didn't have a Christmas dinner together, right? Now, my family lives all over Ontario. My immediate family lives all over Ontario. So what I did was I made my family our traditional Polish meal. I learned how to make pierogies for the first time. I learned how to make borscht and the mushroom zupa and all of these Polish foods, this, the ushka that you put in the borscht. And like, I then drove from Ottawa where I live through Toronto, past Toronto and all the surrounding areas to where my family lives. And I dropped off Polish Christmas so that we could have our traditional meal over Zoom. We had Zoom Christmas. How many people had Zoom Christmas in 2021? Probably a lot in Ontario because we were like hardcore lockdown. I drove 14 hours in one day to preserve this tradition. It meant that much to me. Is that a bad thing? Fucking hell no. These are, this is a really positive attachment to something that I value and wanted to continue. And, you know, it was important to me. I attached a lot of meaning to that situation. And this is what was learned, okay? So to some of you listening, you'd be like, I would never drive 14 hours for pierogies. Okay, (laughs) as I said that out loud, that sounds funny. Maybe you would, because pierogies are life. (laughs) Or maybe the idea of like disrupting your life to make all the food, because it took three days, plus driving around wouldn't be worth it to you, so you wouldn't care as much, or maybe you have other traditions that, you know, or maybe you have no traditions at all. So just the idea of Christmas tradition is like, whatever, which is fine. Nothing wrong with that. Maybe your tradition is church on Christmas, or maybe you don't even celebrate Christmas and all of this Santa BS makes you roll your eyes every single year. Like it doesn't matter where you attach meaning to. I'm not judging you. I don't care. I just want to sort of bring this to your attention. My point is that we have all learned our ways and we've attached meaning to it. There is nothing wrong with this. However, The problem with attachment is when we start to get into our own way and it becomes a detriment. When we attach irrational fear, for example, to people, places, and things. When our ideas of who people are, 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 okay, we've attached meaning, we've judged people. When it creates anxiety and fear and more judgment and victimizing, when we're, when, we're, when we're not able to detach from what a person says, okay, if someone says something to you and you attach meaning to it, it can disrupt your entire life, not only just your day or that moment of the day. Some people are told specific things and their entire day, their week, their month is ruined, ruined, all right? This is also called taking things personally. Attachment is also an interpretation. So, so many of us are committed to misinterpreting others in 2022. It's really sad. 
Attachment is invisible. You can't see the energetic connection. You can't see how you've attached the meaning to it. It's invisible. You can't see or measure how deeply you've attached yourself to things in your life. It comes up and manifests as a feeling, as usually like a negative, like if it's not serving you anymore, if you've attached meaning to something that's no longer serving you, it generally feels um, confusing. You feel like a victim, you feel like you're judging yourself, you doubt yourself, you're scared, you're afraid, but you don't know of what. You just know that things feel uneasy. That's that's when an attachment is not serving you. So to go back, just to kind of sum it up, the lesson that I learned in 2022 is that when I observe myself having an emotional response, so when something happens that causes an automatic feeling to come up that isn't nice, that feels uncomfortable. Because remember, our attachments are manifested in our lives subconsciously. We are not conscious when when our emotions come up. They just automatically come up, right? You're not thinking, oh my God, you just made me so angry. You just become angry. You're not consciously saying, oh, that is... I should be frustrated now. Cue frustration. No, you just become frustrated from subconscious attachments, subconscious stories that live beneath the surface. That's what I mean when I say that they're invisible. So when something happens and causes that automatic feeling that isn't nice, I mean, we don't care when happiness comes up. That's great. You don't learn things from the light. You don't learn how to grow and love more from the love. You've or you're you're there. You learn and grow from the dark side, from the shadow work, from those things that you that are invisible, those dark and scary feelings that come up. What I do when I feel those uncomfortable things is I pause, take a breath. We're forgetting how to breathe consciously and in the moment. My emotional responses are learned, they're conditioned. It's like domesticating a dog to sit when you say sit. It doesn't know what sit means. It attaches meaning to that word because it knows it's going to be rewarded if it sits. And the same thing happens to us. We are domesticated through the reward punishment system and that's how we create our attachments in life. The way I react to everything is learned. That's why some people can get away. Okay, some people can get fired and see it as an opportunity. And others attach failure, loss, unworthiness to it. However you've learned to attach meaning to getting fired will determine your reaction. Do you get it? So giving pause, feeling the hard feelings rise up, pausing, breathing, putting space between you and the reaction will give you space. It's in that breath, in that pause that you are creating space to respond. A response is conscious. When you choose, you you can choose to continue getting mad if anger comes up. Or you can choose something else if the anger is no longer serving you. It's being present. And presence, as the word suggests, is a gift. I know it's cliche, but whatever. It is. Being present is a gift. It's in that space that we can observe our conditioned mind and maybe even cut the tie with the attachment and choose something different. In the spiritual world, we call this cutting psychic ties, cutting the invisible fucking rope that you've attached to someone else or something else that's holding that. That's like you're literally 
when we attach ourselves to people, we're literally giving them our power. When someone is making us angry, that's literally psychically, uh, invisibly, we are, we are giving them our power through this connection. So it's like cutting that tie so we can choose something different. Ooh, it's pretty powerful, isn't it? Okay. We're going to move on. Oh my gosh. I have to make these shorter. (laughs) Number three, number three, workouts, fitness, movement, whatever you want to call it in 2022 is life. It's life. Move your body. Stop letting your attachment to expectations and roles and all the shit that's getting in your way of moving every single day for at least 30 minutes every day. Everyone can do 30 minutes of movement every single fucking day. Stagnation is death. Movement is life. If you sit all day for work, make a fucking plan and get up earlier. Go do 30 minutes of walking. It doesn't have to be like this intense, crazy thing. It's like move around, clean your house, walk in circles. I don't give a shit if it's cold outside. Go walk the stairwell at lunch. Okay. Make your plan your lunch break around walking. Plan your breaks around walking. Take the kids for an evening walk. Don't just go outside and watch them play in the playground. Okay. That is probably fun. And you should do that too. But go walk with them, teach them, help them, help them attach meaning to the importance of movement, of exercise, of moving your body. You are the example. They're watching you. They're forming attachments to everything you are doing. You, you need to teach them to prioritize moving. And if you don't have kids, what on else is what on earth is more important than your health? Observe the ways you have been conditioned to believe that something else is more important than moving. Okay? It's really fucking fascinating. And this is like a a work in progress for me. This fitness is life thing. Movement is life. It's like getting strengthened and strengthened. Because I have had my doubts. I have expressed many times like... If you haven't found the thing that lights your soul on fire, the movement that has lit your soul on fire, mine, for example, is running. I just, I love it. I have a really healthy relationship with running. Then try something new. You haven't found the thing. And that's your responsibility. If you're going to the gym every day and lifting weights and you fucking hate it and it's a grind, how sustainable is doing something that you hate? You need to find movement where you are in flow state, where nothing else matters, where you just exist without thought and you have a smile on your face and you don't even know that you're smiling. Okay. A smile on your face and in your heart. That, that is, that is everything. That is life. I don't need to go through the benefits of moving. You already know. You're not stupid. You're smart. And if you aren't moving, pay attention to how you've learned to not take responsibility for this. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave this one here. Now go and move. Doesn't have to be running a marathon. Doesn't have to be powerlifting, joining an expensive gym, doing what that influencer says. It doesn't have to be any of that. Actually, I, I'm going to say this. I have a client who bounces on a mini trampoline. My stepdad used to bounce on a mini trampoline. Michael, he just brought our stationary bike upstairs from the basement to spin for 30 minutes while watching TV just to get a little bit of extra movement because he sits for work. 
My good friend Michelle, she wakes up and walks in the freaking dark every morning because this is the only time in her super busy ass hustle schedule, she's a freaking entrepreneur crushing life, is the only time she can do this and she values it and makes it important and she gets up and walks outside in the dark, okay? And does this make her a better person than everyone else? No, this isn't a shame spiral here. This is a let's fucking move, people. Like, what are you doing? What are you doing? Let's go. If you miss a day, whatever, flush it off. I miss days too, but come on, 30 minutes. Let's go. It's perfect. It's your responsibility to figure this out. Get out of your own way. Start experimenting with fun shit. If you want to work out at home, great. If you don't, great. It doesn't matter. Okay? Which leads me to number four. Asking for help. Ooh, I spoke about this the other day. Um, big life lessons in 2022, uh, in the world of Elisa about asking for help. It's kind of like the exact opposite of how I grew up really being conditioned to be this independent woman. I'm a feminist. I really identify with feminism, which I'm going to talk about identities a little bit later in this episode. Uh, I, I just, I, really want to mark my territory, have my legacy. I can do anything a man can do. I can do anything. And it's like this realization. Okay. Let me put it this way. In the idea that if, if you keep acting like you're capable of doing everything and that you have to do everything, then you're going to get stuck doing everything. Women are conditioned to believe and they have continue to condition one another to believe that doing everything makes them like a good, strong, independent woman. But in reality, what it means is that now you're doing everything for everyone. You're trying to keep up with impossible expectations and with the demands of today, women are burning out. In fact, did you know that burnout has increased by 40% for zero since 2019? In the last three years, we are killing ourselves, killing ourselves, trying to prove what, what, hello, asking for help, leaning on women in our lives that will support and help us through our struggles is the new independent woman. Okay. Let's fucking change this garbage dumpster thing. In addition to that, men and women aren't the same. We aren't the same. The things that men can do are not the things that women can do well. It's okay. I understand equality. This is not um, equal pay, equal rights, those types of things. That's across the board. We should be equal there. But when it comes to the day-to-day shit in our lives, why do we have to do what men do? Why can't we be fucking great at doing what we do as women, as the feminine energy predominant. Yes, it's really important to connect with the masculine and feminine because masculine and feminine energies, FYI, they're not like you're a boy, you're a girl. There's very different. It's not binary. Like we see gender. Okay. Masculine and feminine energies are like the softer side, the creative side versus like the structural side, the, 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 um, that's the word I'm looking for here. The masculine energies are, are, are more structure, like physical structures. And, and we have both of those inside of us. And being a woman, 
My strengths are very, very different from Michael's strengths. And that makes, that does not make us not equal. All right. We can thrive focusing on our strengths. We don't have to do everything, ladies. Okay. So asking for help. I had to learn how to ask for help (laughs) this year. And, uh, it's been complicated. And, uh, in doing this, in doing this, I had to learn how to trust myself enough to share the load with someone. Ooh, it's like this control thing. We're trying to control everything. And I'm going to talk about control in a later episode because that was one of the biggest lessons of like my psilocybin um, mushroom journey that I had a couple months ago was like the idea that we must control everything. It's so fucked. Anyways, I carried the weight of my pain by myself. And doing that, I realized is not heroic. I'm not saving anyone. Being a modern day martyr and sacrificing myself for the sake of someone else is literal death. That energy is disease. It's toxic. And burying it and then piling on more responsibility and obligation is death. I've learned that asking for help isn't always like cookie cutter either. It might be sending a voice note to vent. It might be sharing a win with someone to celebrate with. That's support too. You know, talking about the good things in our lives, like, oh my gosh, that has been so liberating as well. It might be to give and take something here, you know, like I'll scratch your back, you scratch mine. It might be saying, friend, I need you right now. I'm not looking for a solution. I'm not asking for advice. I just need to be with a loving face to process and release this ugly bullshit living inside of me. (laughs) Okay. Support looks different. It's not, it's probably not going to look or feel the way you think it is, the way you've been conditioned to believe support is supposed to look and feel. And if the person you are asking for help doesn't help, That's not a personal attack. Let it go. Detach. Find someone else. That person isn't your person in this moment. It doesn't mean that they won't show up or be there in a future moment. It's not personal. Move on. You deserve help and you must find the courage to ask. Okay. Otherwise, you're going to burn out. When you're trying to do everything, the people with low self-awareness will cut out the the very things that will support them and self-soothe them and help them, such as movement, okay? That whole rant I just did five minutes ago about moving for 30 minutes. Why aren't you moving for 30 minutes? Huh. They cut out things like fresh air, eating whole foods, sleeping well, basic self-care just to get through the day. And that's not loving. That is not self-care. What are you doing? Stop. Ask for help. Take care of your health. Take care of your mental wellness. Prioritize health instead of doing everything. Personally, in 2022, I have asked for a ton of help. And guess what? I'm still awesome. I'm still independent. I'm still whole. Plus, I'm learning more about myself and connecting deeper with the people in my life. And you can't beat that. All right, I'm going to leave that there. Next, number five, body autonomy. Ooh, controversial subject right now. I know. And I've learned that people are confused about what this means. Body autonomy is not political. It's not political science. Body autonomy is the right to govern one's own body. 
When you have body autonomy, you make decisions for your body that are best for you. You are the only one who needs to live with the consequences of your own choices about your body, right? If you believe that women should have the choice, like the pro, if you believe in pro-choice, so if a woman gets pregnant and wants to have an abortion, regardless of how it happens or when it happens, if you believe that, but that women must also get vaccinated or else they're going to lose their rights. You do not have, you do not believe in body autonomy. Body autonomy is linear. It goes across all governance of your body. If you think one thing and not the other, hello, wake up. You should start questioning the way you've been conditioned to think about some things and not about others. If you believe that it's okay for a woman to slice her chest open and put in silicone blobs, okay, and change the way that she looks, but that a man cannot do that, what are we thinking here? Okay, you can do whatever the fuck you want with your body. That's what I'm saying. Body autonomy is a thing and I will fight for body autonomy, which is the governance of one's own body till the death. Okay, I've learned that political science and religion is now governing and fucking up our views on body autonomy. We are punishing people for their choices, the choices that they're making with their bodies. If you're 18 years or older, so if your brain, if you're an adult and you're responsible in the eyes of the of your govern government of the of your society and your brain is fully developed, then you are now responsible for your own life. You get to decide what you put into your body, what you take out of your body. Only you have to live with those consequences. So like you you should make informed decisions. Ask questions. Don't just jump on bandwagons and jump into political mobs. <laughs> Think about it. Think about the consequences. So open your eyes. Look at the world. What's happening? It's, it's really interesting. I believe in body autonomy. Whatever you choose to do with your body is none of my fucking business. And I hope you feel good about your choices in the end and that you can love yourself a little bit more and that you can hold space for who you are and see the beauty that is you. All right, that is it. That's all I'm going to say about body autonomy. Ooh, that was a big one. I feel like I'm going to get a couple of emails for that one, but let's move on. Number six. Okay. <laughs> okay. Another controversial one, I am sure. People... People's minds are becoming so easily hijacked. I want to start this lesson off with a quote from Seneca. Lucius Seneca, I think it is his name, Lucius something, who uh, he was like a Spanish philosopher, um, born basically like right at the time of Christ. I think he was born just before Christ and died just after Christ. He said this, religion is regarded by the common people as true, by the wise as false, and by the rulers as useful. I'm going to say that again. Religion is regarded by the common people as true, by the wise as false, and by the rulers as useful. I read this quote recently and I was just like, holy fuck. 
really brought up a lot of emotions in me and some realizations about the ways in which I have been a common person, I've been a wise person, and I've been a ruler in my life. It's really interesting just to kind of see how we can manipulate people and ourselves to benefit, okay? Or to deny ourselves the truth of what's actually happening or to feel safe and liked and wanted, um, to live up to expectations, to fight them in, you know, whatever it is. It's really interesting. Our beliefs control everything we say and do. But beliefs are ideas that are not true for everyone, right? So this 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 ties in with the, hi- the brain hijack. Hold on a second, because here's an example. If you believe that Jesus was the son of God, ask yourself, Does everyone on earth believe this? The answer is no. If you believe your soulmates out there and or like love at first sight, if you believe in that, does everyone on earth believe in that? No. And even something like as crazy, like let's think of something that a lot of people think is crazy. If you believe that the earth is round, ask yourself, does every single person on earth believe believe the earth is round? The answer is no. There's this like shout out to the flat earthers. (laughs) Oh my God. Sorry. I'm laughing so loud because you know, it can seem really crazy that there's people out there that think the earth is fucking flat. It's, 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 it's like almost impossible to wrap your mind around that. Okay. Beliefs are ways of thinking and self-identifying that are not true for everyone. And they are most commonly formed through the reward punishment. So you'll get rewarded if you think this way, you'll be punished if you don't think this way. And fear sort of really controls how we believe ultimately. The fear of failing, the fear of not belonging, the fear, like we even sometimes fear success, right? Fear creates the strongest and most instantaneous bonds to beliefs. And watching people's minds get hijacked during this pandemic because the fear was astounding, like super high level fear globally. We didn't even know what the fuck to do with ourselves. We were so scared. People panicked and people became different people. People acted in ways that they would never in a million years ever believe that they would ever act. They shunned their families. They canceled families. They said horrible things to people that they loved. They got divorced. People literally, couples had different opinions and they fucking got divorced over the pandemic because of the vaccine vaccine. They wished, people were wishing death on people. How many tweets or things did you see where let them die? They deserve it anyways. (gasps) People isolated themselves and feared everyone. People's brains were hijacked with a narrative that controlled them. They forgot who they were. They believed in unbelievable ways, right? Now, if you are a person who trusts your government is looking out for your best interest, and you believe in the mainstream media, your brain has been impregnated with ideas that made you think you were doing the right thing. But now we know the reality is that the response to the pandemic has had an astronomically worse outcome. Poor people, cancer diagnoses, mental health decline, suicide, heart attacks, 
like myocarditis in children, delayed learning in children. The list is literally endless. Okay. And the hijacked mind is still fighting to justify this. I saw in the news the other day, it was really interesting. They said something like, um, COVID because of COVID, the cancer diagnosis, uh, people are dying because of the cancer diagnoses. And it's like, no, the, that's the irrational mind saying that. The rational truth of it is the response to COVID is causing cancer diagnosis, late ca- cancer diagnoses. It's the response. It's the way we collectively agreed to behave that is causing this to happen. And that is hard to hold space for, I participated in that because we were so afraid, right? It was driven by fear. COVID was really scary at the beginning. It was scary AF. A lot of people died and it was scary. And the common folk believed that they would die or worse, kill their parents. The wise took responsibility for making informed decisions and fought back. Okay, and the rulers got rich. They benefited from the fear. As long as the people stayed scared, they will become, the rich will get richer. Scared people is useful. We know this, the largest transfer of wealth in history occurred in the last three years. To deny this is just to stick your hand in the sand and that's fine if that's where you need to be right now. And what 2022 has taught me is the humility the hypocrisy, the dissonance that comes with waking up from the hijacking. Because I was hijacked too. I was freaking scared. Like, I was washing my groceries. Remember when we did that? There was a lot of hypocrisy. There is a lot of hypocrisy and growth. And if you're waking up to this, it's okay if you feel a little bit of shame and guilt. I felt shame too. I felt, like, betrayed almost. I was like, what the fuck? And to remove, fear sets conditions. Fear is conditional love, okay? Fear is, conditional love is rooted in fear. So to remove the conditional love that you've placed on others is so powerful. This is true freedom in my opinion. To say, I love you regardless of your decisions is real power. But one must first become aware of the ways in which their mind has been conditioned and hijacked So wherever you are in this awakening, keep going, keep paying attention, keep holding grace for yourself, keep forgiving yourself, maybe apologize to the people that you canceled, maybe hold space and humility for your reactions to your fear. These are forgivable things. Forgiveness, love, breaking free from the conditioned mind taking responsibility for the things that you have done and said. That is power. That's where we need to reconnect as humans. Instead of this divide, you're my enemy bullshit. It's fucking bullshit. I think I've said this on the show before. I'm just going to throw this in there. Like I had people in my family say, you are my enemy. People like you are my enemy because I didn't get the vaccine. That's not who they are. That doesn't make them a good person to say shit like that. That's it's like, what is, what are we doing? Hello? Anyways, the hijacking, very interesting. 
something that, and that's a deep lesson that I know I'm going to keep learning because I may, my brain get, may get break, may get hijacked again. When you hear things, beliefs are formed in three ways. One of the biggest ways that we are conditioned to believe things is when we hear it over and over and over and over and over again. Why do you think there's like the same headlines across everywhere all the time? They want you to read it over and over. So whether you think it's true at the beginning or not, you will eventually believe it once you hear it enough times. It's crazy. That's how our mind works. Anyways, I'm going to leave that there. Let's move on. Number seven. Just take a big breath. Number seven is hard work is life. Hard work is life, people. Hard work. We need to work hard. We don't need to, we, we shouldn't be backing away from hard work in this life. Life is hard. We need to work at it. Work is good. 2022 as a whole has demonstrated that people aren't doing hard things, whether they can or can't. Let me explain. Sure. Yes, life has been hard. And if you, if your life was hard on you over the last few years, like it was on me, like uh, almost everyone that I spoke to said that the, this, this pandemic has been bullshit. But if you're here today, congratulations, you're here, you made it, you're alive. It's a great day to be alive. You've gotten through like something that's incredibly hard as a collective. It was insane, insanity. That's great. I'm not really necessarily talking about that. I'm talking about the day-to-day hard things that we face just by being human, just by existing. What I'm more or less saying is that Our resiliency as a society is dwindling, all right? The, we got through that hard thing, but we have to blame the hard thing on someone else. We, we are avoiding taking responsibility for our role in life, all right? So instead of walking towards our struggles and getting through it, which is how I believe, which I think is the basis of hard work, when we walk towards our struggles and get through it, we're trying to put distance between us and the hard thing. We're trying to like bury it and deny that it's happened and like numb the space that that connects us to hard things as opposed to going through it. The only way out of a hard situation, in my opinion, is through it. To bury it is, is you're not doing something hard just by suppressing it because it's going to poke its ugly head up. If you haven't gone through that, you need it to be behind you, not beneath you or, or below you. Self-medicating actually is, is kind of something that I wanted to talk about in this hard things section, because the, like who here has been self-medicating a little bit more than they used to, meaning they drink more, they, they get high, they're taking benzos, maybe they medicate through eating, Netflix, avoiding life, like however you're avoiding doing something hard or numbing or running from whatever that is. Only you can really truly know the ways in which you are self-medicating. And I, I, I like, I'll make this clear also. I don't give a shit if you self-medicate. I do too sometimes. It's a way of coping. It's a way of getting through anxious, scary, hard things, which 
coping is a skill and coping doesn't heal. All right. So when you are coping, you are not healing. Coping is kind of like a band-aid over the wound. It's not addressing the root cause of the wound. All right. And we need to make that distinction. Sure, we need to cope with shit just to get through the day and put enough space or time to get through something hard. There's nothing wrong with coping. However, coping strategies might lead you to believe that you're confronting the darkness. So when you're self-medicating, you might think that you're confronting something, but you aren't facing the root cause because self-medication is just that band-aid. You're not actually healing by numbing what you're, that's why you're not through it. That's why it keeps coming up. Self-medicating erodes resiliency. So setting small tangible goals on the other hand, and then working at achieving them one by one, going through these monotonous, difficult, shitty motions sometimes, that's how it feels. That is the answer to build up your self-worth and your confidence and resiliency is to not get home and finally sit down and have that drink. Uh Uh-uh. It is to carefully outline goals for your health and start checking those boxes. And I'm not talking about like working out for an hour every day and eating and starting a new diet and like doing 20 fucking things in one day. I'm talking about small tangible goals that you can build up your resiliency to get through the hardship. Because quitting, hiding, blaming, running away, these are fear-based. They are You aren't learning about who you are by doing that. You're just avoiding the hard things. The amount of kids, I shouldn't say kids. Well, it's kind of like the Gen X. No, it's Gen Y. <laughs> millennials, the younger millennials um, who are quitting their jobs right now because things get hard or the boss said something to them like, we, we don't have resiliency as humans. We're losing that ability to cope with hard stuff by getting through it, okay? People have these ideas that the rich people in our lives need to pay for everything. We need to stand up and start earning. The, the, the idea that you're owed and entitled to things is like just, it's the opposite of resiliency, And it will never lead to a powerful place. If you feel like you are owed and entitled without sacrifice, without hard work, you are never going to step into your personal power ever. And in 2022, I've been working so hard personally. I'm learning so much about who I am and what I'm capable of. And I'm grounded in love and connection. I'm working at grounding myself to this earth, to my personal power. My hard work has built so much inner trust and respect and compassion. Like, whoa. The takeaway is this. I'm learning that we're becoming a society who undervalues hard work. And I think it's a mistake. So the next time something feels hard, whether it's a conversation. Maybe you're, maybe it's even hard, like some of the things that I'm, I'm talking about right now that feel hard for you. Maybe it's a workout. Maybe it's just fear in general. You're afraid of something. Observe where your mind goes when things get hard. What do you do when things get hard? Then pause and ask yourself, is this reaction building love, trust, respect, and confidence? Or am I running away because I'm afraid of blank? 
I'm afraid of working hard. I'm afraid of failing. I'm afraid of losing. I'm afraid of being vulnerable. I'm afraid of abandonment. I'm afraid of whatever. Ask yourself that. Start tapping in and listening. Hard work is the foundation to confidence. You can do hard things and come out the other side more enriched and powerful. Oh, and let me remind you, doing something hard doesn't mean you need to do it without being scared as fuck about doing it. That's a big mistake. Hard stuff is scary. Hard stuff doesn't feel good when you're in it. It feels uncomfortable. It feels challenging. That's the thing. That's why hard stuff doing it is so good because you will come out on the other side different. That's what we want. That's what resiliency means. So the next time something hard happens, you're like, I got this. I have my own back. And you have that confidence. Being afraid and moving forward is one of the most powerful actions you will take as a human in this life. Being scared and having courage to move through the hard thing, even though it scares the fuck out of you, is the highest form of self-awareness. And I guarantee that you will grow and expand in ways that avoiding never will. Ooh, I'm gonna leave it there. Number eight. <laughs> oh, shit. Okay. Ugh! Okay. Number eight. I'm just going to read this off the paper. People are obsessed with identity. In 2022, and I'm going to get people's panties in a knot, people are obsessed with identity. Is this a bad thing? No. But I want to explain this. I want to deep dive just and, and share a different perspective and maybe just sort of open the door to a, a different conversation because everything, everyone's so tunnel vision about identity. Everyone's so stuck in this one track mind that, that I think we're forgetting who we are. In 2022, how you identify in this world has become an obsession. However, the awake and aware the people who are aware know that identity is only one of three aspects of who we are. Identity is also dominated and controlled by the ego. So the way we identify is ego-based. So it is your ego. Who you think you are is ego speaking. That's the, the narrative of the mind that, that is based in ego. Okay, so if you say, I don't have a big ego, but you're like, I am woman, I am, you know, athlete, that is ego, okay? How you identify, whether in gender, which is a hot topic, and I'm not going to go there necessarily, whether it's, it's in status or occupation, has very little to do with who you are. It's only a, a third of who you are as a whole human. Identity is most often formed through conditioning also. So women, for example, are groomed to be more feminine. Men are groomed to be more masculine. Maybe things are changing. There's more non-binary grooming happening. That's fine. It doesn't matter. But like, you know, rich people, people that grew up with like status, they're groomed to live a certain way, to hold a teacup in the right way, to be proper, to whatever. Like we are groomed to fit identities as we grow up. And if we don't fit in those boxes and we realize this at a young age or maybe even like in our late adulthood, 
we become victims of identity and we start to seek out new ways to to identify or feel superior and be okay because that's what it is and identity is a box identity is a box that you are sit, putting yourself in or that society is putting you in okay so let me ask you this close your eyes if you can like if you're not driving or anything like if it's safe to close your eyes close your eyes and tell me when you think of who you are do you feel as though you are your mind your body or your soul. So if you think you are your mind, if you lost your mind, would you still be you? If you had brain damage, a lobotomy, <laughs> something bad happened to your mind, would you still be you? For your body, if you lost a leg, for example, if you got in a bad accident and your arm got cut off, is your is your arm you? Is the arm that, that is no longer attached to you, is that you? Who are you without that arm? If you th- felt as though you were your soul, your spirit, your energy, what if that went away and it disconnected from the body of who you are when you die? Are you still you? These are really interesting questions and perspectives to ponder. Who are you? And within the practice of intuitive awareness, it is believed that you are not one of these aspects, but all three. You are your mind, which is the ego, the voice in your head. Okay. You are your body, which is the physical presence, the vessel. And you are your soul, which is the spirit, the light force, whatever you want to call it. Most people on this earth believe that the voice in their head is who they are. They believe everything the voice says They are controlled by the thoughts, by the program, by the conditioned mind, which is the ego. They're controlled by identities, the boxes that they've been put in. They feel as though they're trapped in the boxes. They feel like everything in the mind is controlling them. Okay. This is ego. Self-identification is ego. There's nothing wrong with this. This is a big part of who we are. The problem is that identity obsession, that the, the identity obsession that's happening globally is like hijacking the voices of the body and the soul. You are no longer connected to the body and the soul when you are so strongly attached and you've given all your meaning to identity. All three of these aspects are in constant communication with one another. Your body speaks, your soul speaks. The problem is that, that the body and the soul don't speak in words and therefore the thinking mind will dismiss them. It's that gut feeling, the, the, the deja vus, the aha moments, like those little subtle windows to a new perspective that you are constantly seeing, but dismissing, forgetting, letting go because the thinking mind turns on is like, uh, 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 don't do that. Right. If you identify, okay, let's take some, I, if you identify as mother, okay. And you've been conditioned to believe that mothering looks a certain way. You're in the mother box and you must fill X, Y, and Z expectations in that mother box or else you will be labeled as a bad mother, a shit mother, whatever. So, so the way you've been conditioned to mother will look and feel very different. I mean, we all know this mothers attack mothers for the way that they raise their children all the time because 
all the mothers have learned what the mother box looks like and they're all sitting in their own boxes and they, they're not opening the perspective or the view and they're being controlled and manipulated and they're victimizing and judging other mothers that don't fit in the box exactly the way that that might look. So if you're in your mother box, your body might be exhausted. Your soul might be screaming unfulfilled. You might be trying to do things in the mother box that your body and your soul are, are, don't agree with, right? So, so they're speaking to you in ways that aren't words. Are you listening to that? This is all, this, this is all being suppressed with this identity obsession. Another example that's really easy is gay. If you identify as gay, if you're gay, or lesbian, or part of the LGBTQ plus community, you have most likely been conditioned to believe or grew up for a certain part of your life if you're an adult, maybe not as a kid, but that you are straight. And if you're not straight, you're bad. It's the, the, the discrimination against gay and lesbian LGBTQ has, is atrocious. So people pretended that they were straight for so long, but deep down in those times when you were in that straight box, deep down, you knew you weren't, you weren't straight. Your body and your soul, there was so much dissonance. You, it was so confusing. You have these contradicting voices and feelings constantly just battling. And it's so hard. This, this is what I mean. <laughs> that we are our egos, we are our souls, we are our body, your attraction, your, your purpose. Those things speak to us. But if we put ourselves in a box and slam the lid and don't have skills to open that box and really explore the possibilities of who we are and listen to all aspects of ourselves, we can get really fucked up. And that's what's happening. People are getting super fucked up. Okay. If you're a runner, this has happened to me. Like I had this belief that I had to run really fast and I believed in the no pain, no gain and work hard or die. And I got really injured and I came back from injury and just kept freaking running my ass off. And I was thinking to myself, like my body was like, stop doing this. My soul was like, this isn't fun anymore. But my ego was like, qualify for Boston, do whatever it takes, you idiot. Like, don't listen to your body. Don't listen to, you know? And I was like, whoa, you have to really take a step back and be like, what am I doing here? This is the power of intuitive awareness. We're taught that we are the answer to the question I am. So like insert, I am what? I am a woman, a daughter, a runner. I'm a World Cup athlete. I'm a social media influencer. I'm a Insert box to put yourself in and live up to the expectation of that box in accordance with society's views or else you're a piece of shit. What's the label? In 2022, I have learned that the better question is, who am I without that label? When I'm struggling to meet expectations, struggling to belong, struggling to feel safe, I ask myself, who am I without that label? thought. How powerful is that? And if you're asking yourself these questions and you don't hear the answer or you don't feel one or you don't really know how to put it into words, but you're curious about deepening your sense of self outside of the ideas of the ego, outside of identity, 
then it's time for you to meditate. Silence creates space to hear the voice of the body and the soul, and the most profound answers will come to you in meditation. Yes, identity is important, and it's not the only aspect of who you are. This is how we lose ourselves. We lose ourselves in identity. And we don't know why we aren't happy, but we finally are what we wanted to be. We have that label, we have that title, and we still feel shit, right? Oh, okay. I'm going to leave it right there. Think about it. How much have you attached meaning to identity? And how has this attachment disconnected you from the other parts of who you are? How have the labels you've given yourself isolated you and divided you from other people, from the connection? The lesson is we're all, we're all one. And the more you lean away from this, the, the less self-aware and connected you will become. <laughs> you will be disconnected when you, when you lean away from the connectedness of us all. <laughs> that doesn't really make sense, but it makes sense in my brain. So I'm going to leave it at that. Oh my gosh, we got two more. Let's move through these quickly. Number nine. AI. I want to talk about AI, artificial intelligence. Um, I'm going to make this one brief. I don't like AI. My philosophy is rooted in the idea that everything that is alive, that moves, that breathes, that grows, comes from nature, lives on this earth, and the vastness of the universe is one. Artificial intelligence is man-made. It's created. It's not one. It's not in the oneness of nature and of life and of this earth. I don't like it, but is it bad? I don't think it's bad either. Do I fear it? I don't know. Okay. I don't, I think yes. And I'm really curious. I have this like blossoming curiosity about it because I think that there's so many directions it can go. I think, for example, like if you look at the internet as, as technology evolves, the internet has connected so many people, but it's also brought so much isolation and, and bullying and cyber hacking and identity theft and all of these things that like, there's, there's pros and cons to everything. And if we can just hold space for all of that, instead of just like blindly following a really good idea and dismissing any of the possible bad outcomes, that's where, that's where human beings are going to get fucked here with AI. So like, I don't really like the idea of an artificial intelligence helping me in my life and with my body. I don't know. I think it's interesting though. So, and AI is here. Those prototypes, like a neural link, is that what it's called? The microchips that are going to be inserted into human brains, the neural link to help spinal cord injuries. I love that technology, that, that, that innovation to help spinal cord injuries, perhaps there's a microchip that you can put in your brain that will reconnect your body and people can walk again and use their limbs again. I think that's incredible. Am I against it? No. But what I'm learning in 2022 is that most humans are leaning away from connecting to who they are. Like I've mentioned in all the other things, we are avoiding who we are. We are trying to numb ourselves. We are disconnecting. We are, we are isolating ourselves. And that's what concerns me. Sure, AI is fun. It's easy. How great would it be to have a computer do all your housework? (laughs) 
right? To do all your work work for you and make money for you, to tell you what to say in a hard conversation, to drive your car for you. Because, you know, there's a lot of talks about how self-driving cars are going to eliminate a lot of car deaths. Okay. But for what? To free up time so you can what? Sit in stagnation more? Get lost in your phone? Make TikToks? Super interesting. Like, why do we not want to do these things for ourselves? You know, why is it easier to do make room for what? What are we replacing that time with, that space with? That's what I, that's where I want to open the perspective. Technology is cool. It's literally saving people's lives. Innovation is cool. And it has great potential to fuck humans, especially technology and innovation that is profit driven. Because, because (laughs) the rulers will always benefit. They'll manipulate you so that they will benefit. Okay. Example, in May of this year, we had this crazy windstorm that like blew out the power in my area for 9 days. I had, I didn't have power in my house for 9 days. And people actually died from the windstorm and people also died because they had no power. They could not rely on their technology. People starved. People lost their insulin storages. People lost hundreds of dollars of food. Okay? They had no drinking water in some cases. Some people couldn't communicate, ask for help because they had no power to charge their phones and their devices. They couldn't even evacuate their buildings because the elevators weren't working and they weren't physically able to walk downstairs. Okay, so who are we without technology? This is the disconnect. And I just think it's just something that we should be aware of instead of blindly following. You know, it, it yeah, again, AI is here to stay. But like, if we all decide that we want AI to make decisions for us and control what we see and hear and think and enhance us, quote unquote, I just think that we're moving further and further away from the point of life. And it's an interesting thing to process and one that I'm going to continue to revisit. And I'm allowed to change my mind, as are you on this. Like, we can change our minds at any moment. Okay? That's what I mean by the hypocrisy of growth. You can believe in one thing and just like, in a snap, not believe it anymore and be like, oh, I realize I used to think that way and now I don't. And that is allowed, okay? You should be questioning and exploring and listening to experts and challenging experts on what they're saying. And and yeah, maybe maybe it's living in the country that has, for, I've been living out in the country here for three years, not living in the concrete jungles of the city. It's very green out here. I can see all the stars at night. Connecting to nature has really like been a wonderful journey for me. And it's one thing I've really noticed living out here is my relationship with the stars. It's changed. It's strengthened exponentially. I see millions of them every single night. There's barely any light pollution, far less anyways, where I live, how far out I am. And I'm connecting with the beautiful universe. It's unbelievable. So in 2022, what I've learned is that AI is 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 here and it has the potential to enable us to disconnect from all li- all life on earth, from be- the oneness of earth. We're disconnecting from our purpose, from hard work, from resiliency, creativity, nature, openness, oneness, responsibility, all that type of thing. And relying on a machine to help us feel fulfilled in this life. 
And if you disagree with me, I'm happy to discuss it. DM me. I'd love to hear your thoughts on the AI situation. And you never know. Things might change real fast. (laughs) Okay. Last but not least, number 10. Oh, this is the best one. Thanks for listening. If you're still with me, this has been a long episode and I haven't had a really long episode in a while. So hooray. Number 10 in 2022, I have learned that the Elisa Unfiltered podcast is rated in the top 1.5% of podcasts globally. OMG, everyone. What? There are 2.56 million podcasts and you have helped make this show in the top 1.5%. Oh my God. Happy dance over here. Thank you so, so much. I've spent five years interviewing people, learning from top professionals in health and wellness, talking to real life people who are going through real life struggles and have shared a lot of my own personal growth and struggles and relationships. And I'm so grateful that you have held space for this journey, that you are here for it. And I am forever grateful. I am here for it too. I want to continue to build and grow the podcast and just connect people, listen to different perspectives, challenge the way that we think, really open the mind and think outside the box, get out of our tunnel vision, get out of those, what do they call them? Silos, uh, uh, echo chambers, and really talk about things from sharing real life perspectives and views. I love it. I love it. So if you've enjoyed this show or the show in general and haven't left a review, this would be a great time to press pause and go ahead and do that. Subscribing and leaving reviews help others find the show and allows them to join the conversation. So there you have it. There you have it. Thanks for joining me today. I realize this is these lessons are coming from my personal perspective, the lens from which I see the world. And if you want me to expand on any of these in future podcasts, let me know either by email at alisa at alisaunfiltered.com or DM me, DM me on Instagram at, at Alisa Curry-Lowitz. Links are in show notes. That's all for today. Thanks so much for listening. Keep it real, friends. Okay, I'm over here giving you a big virtual hug because you just finished another episode of the Elisa Unfiltered podcast. If you haven't done so yet, I'd love for you to share the love and head over to Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or Spotify and give the show a five-star rating. I'll give you bonus points for leaving a written review. And if you're looking for more, head over to elisaunfilteredcoaching.com for show notes and all the links to all things Elisa Unfiltered. Have the best day, everyone. Until next time. 